This is Pastor Floyd McDonald from Calvary Christian Assembly of God. Wanted to tell you today, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We believe that there's power in the Word of God that can change your life, that can change your family, that can change your attitude. Tune in and listen to this special message. Let me turn to Micah, the seventh chapter, and if you need help, ask somebody. I'm not being facetious in saying that. How many know sometimes from those minor prophets we need a little help? It's in the back of the Old Testament. And so just tell us, say, say, I need a little help. Bless the Lord. And so Micah, the seventh chapter, right there at the back of the Old Testament is where we're starting at then this morning. And so I want to just tell you that is that I am encouraged to, as Pastor Bill already alluded to, our focus is on two things for 2020. Our focus is on Jesus, amen, and our focus is on the Word. Amen. We will, not, we will not be removed from those two things in the church. I mean, no, it's not focused on events. It's not focused on different ministries, and I appreciate those things. How many know those things will not happen if we're not focused on number one, Jesus, and focused on his word? Amen. So Micah, the seventh chapter, we read this, and how encouraging you read the first verse. If you got the King James that says, woe is me, <laughs> I'm really reading out the New Living translation and it says this how miserable I am how would you like to start out a day like that come on now how miserable I am but let's keep reading and see what Micah says he says how miserable I am he said I feel like the fruit picker after the harvest who can find nothing to eat not a cluster of grapes or a single early fig can be found to satisfy my hunger. The godly people have all disappeared. Not one honest person is left on the earth. They are all murderers setting traps even for their own brothers. Both their hands are equally skilled at doing evil. Officials and judges alike demand bribes. The people with influence get what they want and together they scheme to twist justice. Can I get an amen if that's what's going on right now? Just watch the news. It don't matter what channel. It's going on right now. This is a picture. This is a mirror of what the United States is going on right now. Look at it. It says this, but your judgment day is coming swiftly. Now, how many will agree with that? Your time of punishment is here, a time of confusion. Don't trust anyone, not your best friend or even your wife. Wow. For the son despises his father, and the daughter defines her mother, and the daughter-in-law defines her mother-in-law, and your enemies are right in your household. Now... I don't know about you, but that gets a little bit, I mean, no, down to the nitty gritty. Especially when it says don't believe the ones in your house. What was going on during this time, Pastor? And I think that we need to explain what the prophet was seeing during this time. And Brother David, I can't help but picture that this is a picture of what we're seeing in our country at this time. This is a mirror. In fact, let me just tell you, in this age where society had rotted around him. How many know that society is rottening around us? Rulers are demanding gifts. Come on. Judges accepted bribes. Corruption was universal. Come on, Micah could not even find an honest person. The prophet couldn't find an honest person anywhere. Even today it's hard to find. How many know what I'm talking about? 
society, hear me out, I'm, I'm getting ready to get something good. This is not doom and gloom. I'm getting ready to get something good if you'll stay with me. Listen to this, but society rationalizes sin and so-called believers are compromising Christian principles in order to do what they want. I wish somebody would help me preach this morning. Sin had affected the government, leaders, and society in general. Deceit and dishonesty had even ruined the family and the core of society. And as a result, the only way left to purify God's people, listen to me, was God's judgment. I want you to know something. God's judgment is coming to America. But how many realize there is a remnant of people? How many lift your hand if you're in the remnant of God's people? You know what the only thing, and I believe this from God already taken, is that there's still people believing for family. There's still people believing for souls to be saved. How many lift up your hand and say there's people in my family, Pastor, that I'm trusting God to save, to heal, to deliver, and set free in the name of Jesus. Woo, glory to God. This would draw the nation back. Did you know this? Right here. If you keep reading, we're going. I'm telling you, you say, but this is we're doom. What was the old hee-haw song? Doom and gloom and despair. That's what you read. I mean, woe is me when you read the first verse. <laughs> and it almost looks like that, but we're getting ready to get good into something because what happens here is that this, this would draw the nation back to restore them from the inside out. And can I tell you, look at what Micah, get ready. here it is, it starts in verse 7, and it's almost like the whole song starts to transition, Brother Brett. And look what he says in verse 7 for me to emphasize. This is the scripture that God has given me as we focus, number one, on Jesus. Look at verse 7. As for me. Oh, I can just stay right there in those three words. How many right now will say, Pastor, as for me? You know, Joshua said the same thing. What did he say? As for me and my house. Sometimes you just got to make a declaration. When everybody else is compromising around you, when everybody else is wanting to compromise with the world and dip and dip into things of this world and compromise their walk with God and get a little bit involved in the world, how many lift up your hand today and say, I've been set apart, I've been changed, I'm not going back. As for me, look what it says. I will look to the Lord for help. Lift your hand and say it with me. I will look to the Lord. Woo, glory to God. We used to sing a song in the South. It says, I don't know what you come to do. Come on. But I came to praise the Lord. <laughs> I don't know what you come to do. But I came to praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and sing it with him. Give him a little soul. Come on, say the black man's coming out at me right now. Say, I don't know what you come to do. Come on. But I come to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, 
uh, you know, we need to get that way. Look the devil in the face and say, I will not compromise. I will not go to the things of this world. I've been brought out and the Lord has given me a new soul. So as for me, I, I feel the preacher in this house. I will look to the Lord from whence cometh my help. I feel like dancing this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Look at your neighbor and say, we're Pentecostal. Hallelujah. Tell them, say, act like it this morning. As for me, I will look to the Lord for help. Lift your hand on the next line. I wait confidently for God to save me. And my God said, oh, come on. Pastor Bill alluded to this last week when he said, my God shall supply. Come on. Lift your hand and say, he's my God. He's just not Abraham's God. He's my God. Does anybody know him personally today? Did anybody get up early this morning and say, he's mine, he's mine, he's mine, he's mine. He's my God, and my God will certainly. How many know he will? Look at your neighbor and say, he will. If you're righteous, you're godly, you're following after God's word, Look at your neighbor and say, he will. That's what certainly means. He will hear me. He does not turn a deaf ear to the righteous prayer. Come on, just when the devil tries to convince each and every one of you, because he does it to me. I mean, I've been, in, I've been in this ministry thing for 30 years, and he still tries to come along with Sister Robin and tell me, the Lord didn't hear you. Shut up, devil. Come on, there's scripture right there. Say, there, there's my word. There's my word, Pastor. He certainly will hear me. Come on, let's say it together. As for me, come on. Come on, that just means I'm being set apart. Come on. As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me. And my God will certainly hear me. I don't make an Egyptian. I don't know why you ain't shouting right now. Come on, somebody. I'm giving you a word, not from Floyd, not from the assemblies of God, but hold up your Bibles and say, this is the promise of the Lord Most High, and his promises are yes and amen. Well, I feel like preaching today. Glory to God. So I'm focusing on him. Now let's go ahead. His second priority is what I'm going to be talking about this morning. I'm focusing on his word. I love what our superintendent Doug Clay said, and I think, Rick, they're going to throw it up here, and you can just read it along with us. He said something like this. Everybody has a worldview. How many know you have a worldview? Everybody in this building has a worldview. And I want you to hear what he said, and I love this. He said this, but I contend a biblical worldview is far more important. Come on, he says this, perceiving and interpreting the realities of life through the lens of Scripture will keep you from being misled. Amen. I, oh, can I get an amen on that one? Come on. Your worldview may be shaped by your family, your friends, your life experiences, the media, come on, 
or social media or networks. The fact is, and I love him saying this, the fact is is that none of these sources offer a completely fair and balanced perspective. A biblical worldview leads us to moral absolutes and to the realities of miracles, redemption, and human dignity. Come on, somebody. I embrace, he said this, I embrace God's word so strongly because we live in a time where society places a higher value on tolerance than it does truth. Preach it, Pastor Doug. And can I give you a scripture that he gives and you can look it up with me if you want to. In 1 John 4 and 1, it declares this. Dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. That means on NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, come on somebody. I'm going to keep my nose in the word of the living God. Oh, somebody's helping me today. Somebody's starting to wake up. Don't believe everything, 1 John 4, what? Don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine everything people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. <sighs> Learning the Bible, knowing the Bible, having a worldview shaped by the Bible. How many know that's so important? And in my life, this is what he said, in spiritual leadership, there's nothing more effective to anchor my emotions and protect my thinking when I'm going through difficult challenges than the word of the living God. I'm thankful for a man of God that is speaking directly that we need to focus more as a church toward our Bibles. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many know? And I want you to listen. One of the overriding concerns that we have, just not as the assemblies of God, but the denominations as a whole, one of the overriding concerns that we have for many denominations and Christ church right now, listen to me, is biblical literacy. Come on. There are, we can pull it up everywhere. The Bible is everywhere. It's on our phones. We can carry it, but we're not looking in it. Come on. We are not reading it. And more than just reading it, we're not meditating on it and getting it in our spirit. And God is trying to awaken this pastor to say we must change that. Listen, I'm not responsible again, as I said, for the church down the road, but I am responsible for Calvary. So what I want to tell you is that Calvary it's going to be people of the word of the living God. We will not look to anything else but beside the word of the living God. Hallelujah. For instance, and I want to tell you this, we tend to believe, and this is so true, some of us in this building, I believe in experiences. How many has had an experience with the Lord? Lift your hand if you've ever had an experience with the Lord. Look at all these hands. Lift them up real high one more time. Say, Pastor, I've had an experience with the Lord. And you should have experience. And I'm not gating that. Those are very important. We need to have an experience with God. But I want you to hear me right now because this is very important what I'm getting ready to say. We tend to believe that our experience produces faith. Now, your experience is grace, great. And your experience will stir your faith. But listen, it does not produce faith. 
Pastor, where is that? Why, why, I don't understand what you're talking about. No, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Because experiences come and go. But let's get down to the nitty gritty here. Pastor, what are you trying to say? It's not biblically accurate. Because here's the definition. Listen. Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. See, I love to hear your experience. I'm not knocking it. You know, Gene is going to have an experience and Trent is going to have an experience and Robin and Jonathan and Shane is going to have an experience. And you know when they share, how many know you're overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of your testimony. And when experiences is shared, guess what it does? It stirs our faith, but it doesn't produce our faith. The only thing that will produce your faith, pick up your word with me right now, whether it's a phone, the only thing that's going to produce faith in this hour is not my experience, but it is the word of the living God. I don't don't want to negate your experience. I don't want to negate or come against your testimony. How many know you can't have a moaning without having a test? Amen. And you need to go ahead and say what God has done in your life. But again, it does not produce faith. Because five years down the road, you're trying to sustain yourself on experience. And can I tell you, experience will not sustain you five years down the road. The only way that I've been sustained, Brother John Baca, It's because I've looked in the word of the living God for 30 years. His word will not return void, but accomplish unto that which it is said to do. My God, this is good preaching this morning. Hallelujah. Many times when Jesus, as I was studying this week, when he healed somebody. How many remember when you read in his word where he healed and touched many people? And they shouted about their experience and healing power of the Lord. But I want you to know that many times when the experience and the touch of God happened, he grounded it in the word of the living God. What did he say? He said, go and sin no more. See, I'm telling you what needs to be rooted in your life as a believer. And I want you to hear me this. In other words, we must root our lives in obedience to the word of God. If we don't, it becomes error in our lives. And people live off experiences instead of the word of God. We must ground our lives. How many say I'm going to be a people of the word? I'm going to be a person of the word of the living God. Amen. I got to keep going in this house. God has the, how many know that God has the ability to protect our thinking? Come on. Amen. And anchor our emotions. Come on. This is key, isn't it? Hallelujah. When we experience those, how many has ever just said this? How many be honest with me? Say, Pastor, why is this happening? How many has ever lifted your hand and say, why? Come on. Every one of you. If you ain't lifted your hand, you're a liar in Jesus' name. We've all encountered those issues. Why is this? Guess what will anchor your emotions and sustain you in those why is this happening moments? Right here. I couldn't have got through some things in my life 
How many will agree with me and say, Pastor, there's no way I would have been sustained nor sitting in Calvary if I didn't take one of his promises and dwelled and prayed over it and believed God, whether it was a child or my healing or whatever was going on. Yes, I thank God for a person that came by and said, God did so and so, and that stirred my faith. But guess what grounded my faith? It is still the word of the living God and that's why it must become important in our lives and in our spirits listen there's a growing demand for people to connect and I want you to hear me today with authenticity in the church can I tell you you may be speaking up against this present generation but guess what this present generation wants they want authenticity in the church of the living God listen we can't entertain young people come on they they want authenticity when they come to the house of God to see that the word is working and that we're for real that we're the same person inside Calvary as we are on the outside driving a bus or working our jobs that we're abiding by the word of the living God yes, scripture has a sustaining an incredible sustaining ability to keep us for example, college students that may leave the comforts of home become enmeshed, and I want you to hear me right now, in secular surroundings with liberal professors that is filling our colleges and universities across the nation with hellion thinking. That is being deposited. Oh, I'm being, I'm glad. We'll let it be on the film next, next uh, service. That is filling our children with a bunch of goop. I want to know. That's why it's so important that I thank God for my son and his wife. And thank God for Abraham and Bailey. That they are making the deposit inside their life of the word of God that if God should take them outside Calvary and they go to one of those universities that when the gobbledygook is being said in the classroom they know what they've been anchored to and they know who they are and they know what the word of God said and they will not be moved by the winds of this world but will be anchored in the great anchor of our soul his name is Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Listen to me in this house then today. I don't want to lose the centrality of the word of God right here at Calvary Christian Assembly of God. If people in the church, and I want you to hear this, do not anchor their lives and value system in the scripture their feelings and their human logic and the instead of the truth of the Bible guess what we'll begin to sway away from them listen to me I want you to notice this suppose illustration suppose that a man 
lived on this earth, if God gave him 1,800 years, suppose, and I just want you to think about this for a moment, suppose a man had lived 1,800 years on this earth, and suppose that during these 1,800 years, he'd been thrown into the sea, yet he could not be drowned. He'd been frequently thrown to wild beasts who were about to devour him. Imagine that he'd been forced many times to drink deadly poison that never harmed him, yet he'd often been bound in chains and locked in dungeons yet he had always thrown off the chains and he had escaped in 1800 years repeatedly been hanged till his enemies thought him dead and his body was cut down and he sprang back to his feet and he walked away been burned at the stake hundreds of times and yet lived pastor what are you trying to say this is practically the way that the bible has been treated it's been burned it's been drowned come on somebody it's been chained it's been put in prison it's been torn to pieces yet it has never been destroyed Pastor, what are you trying to say? The word of the Lord will endure forever. 1 Peter 1 and 25. Here's the scripture the Lord has given me as we focus on his word. I've already talked about focusing on Jesus. Here's the scripture. Turn with me to James. James chapter 1. James the first chapter. Here's the Lord the scripture's given me for 2020 as we focus on his word. There's some more scriptures above this scripture that is absolutely phenomenal. But this is the one that God has given me for verse 25. Look what it says. <laughs> but the one, notice that it already has one thing we already talked about. Here's two things. The one who looks into the perfect law of liberty. How many know that's the word of the living God? And perseveres. I mean, there's two things right there. Being no hearer, but or who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Is there anybody in this room that wants to be blessed by the Heavenly Father? Here is the formula to continue to stay blessed by Jehovah Jireh. Look what it says. And I want to focus on these two things. These are the two areas right here. Number one, you got to look. Now, I want to, I want to focus on that Greek word because it's so powerful. Oh, I got excited. In fact, I looked again on my Greek study today, and I shook like this underneath my, underneath my desk today. I'm telling you, God began to move. You know what that word look means? Sometimes when we say we just look, we just got to go like this. That's not what it's talking about. When I'm looking at that exit sign, sometimes I just kind of go that's not what the Greek word means right there. In fact, I'm not even going to pronounce it because I can't and I'm not a Greek scholar. But I do want to tell you what it means. Here it is. Are you ready for this? The word of God and that word look simply says this. It means to stoop to, it means to, stoop to a thing in order to look at it. Get that, get that, get that. It means to look at with head bowed forward. It means this. It means this with, of one who would become acquainted with something. Now, this is the good thing. When I was looking up the same meanings of look 
And I looked that up. It gives the different scriptures. And the three that came up in the New Testament was Peter going to the tomb. Stooping in. Oh, come on, somebody get this. How many know they wanted to find out for sure? He's not here. He, how many know it wasn't just like a dawn? It wasn't a just a come to the thing and go like this. He's gone. How many know if you want to find out some? Come on, how many get this? Do this with me. That's right, Brother Al. I heard Brother Al. I love that. You investigate it. You become entangled with it. Oh my God. You know what you know what's doing? You know why Peter did that? And then it went, it went from Peter. The other look went and John. If that's enough, in Mary. You know what? There was not a common look. This wasn't a glance. No, this was a relationship. I'm telling you, if we're going to go forward, lift up your Bible right now. I got to have a relationship with this word. And guess what I got to do? I can't just look. So that's our problem. That's the problem. Is that we take a glance to check our box. Oh, I'm preaching right now. And that's the reason why we can't get, we're not entangled with the word. We just glance at the word. And if you're going to be blessed, you got to stoop. Come on, help me, guys. I'm ready. We're going to do it on the count of three. We're going to do it like this. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. Come on. How many say that's my relationship with the word? I'm going to check it out. I'm going to get involved with it. I'm attached to it. It is a part of my life. I am tired as a surface Christian just to take a glance and check my box. No, I want the word to be a part of who I am and my conduct and what I do and what I say because it's a part of me. That's what the world does is take a glance. But God wants us to really look in the spirit. And then it begins to come alive in our life. And the second thing right here is two things. If you want to be blessed, you look into the word. It's an intensity. It is inspecting. It is getting on. Look at the next thing. It is to persevere in the word of the living God. You know what that simply means? And some of you already got it in the King James. It means to continue. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to give up. The devil's come too far to tell me to give up. Come on. To put down my armor. Come on, somebody. Say, it fits. Look at your neighbor and say, it fits me. I'm going to continue. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be unmovable. I'm going to be always abounding in God's word for as much as we know our labor, Brother Shane, is not in vain. It means to continue therein. That's what it is saying. And it's saying this, to remain beside. I know I'm giving it to you as a picture right here, as an illustration. But guess what? The sword ought to be just like a cop has a gun. 
How many know he's not going to go or do the job until he has his? How many know we're not Andy Griffith without a gun? Come on, somebody. You could... You could try to be Andy Griffith. You could try to solve it with your mouth. Come on. And try to solve it with your counsel. And try to solve But guess what? It's not intended. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. How many know I'm not going to go to a fight in my own mind and in my own desires? Guess what I got? My perseverance and my continuing therein is right beside me. So guess what? When the enemy comes, pull your weapon out. Come on, somebody. And say, I know what God's word says. It is written in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And when you look and when you continue or be doers then you're blessed. There was a story that I came across. I'm getting ready to close. I know you can't believe it but it's true. And I'm going to say this real quickly before I go to a story. I'm going to say this. If you want to read everything about the Word, I mean, the longest psalm is Psalm 119. And every scripture talks about the Word of God. Psalm 119 and 18 says this. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. I'm going to just say this because the Holy Ghost gave me this. We got a lot of lookers, but we don't have no tookers. Come on. I know that's crazy, but that's the way the Lord said it to me, and I'm going to say it to you. Got a lot of lookers. We ain't got any tookers. So guess what you got to do? Not only possess it with your eye. Listen, not only, we're, we're, by, we're good about this. Don't just be a mouth confessor. Be a heart possessor. Come on, I just don't want to be a looker. I want to be a tooker. I want to take the word into being and it be part of who I am. It is part of me. It's not anything outside of who I am. I am in Christ, so the word is part of me. It's like, come on, it is like an organ in my body. And that's the way the word should be. There is a story of an Assembly of God church that I came across. There was a couple by the name of Drew and Marina. And they were a great young couple. And they reached out to this pastor. They wanted to meet after their engagement. They got engaged. And that pastor began to assume that they wanted premarital counseling, all of that. I get that a lot. And they wanted to start preparations, he thought, for their upcoming wedding and and in their first meeting, they met. And so that's what he was anticipating. And so they each took a big, big deep breath. You could see that they were troubled. And anxiety filled their voices. And they asked him, would you marry us next Sunday? They had recently become, they'd recently become engaged. And their original date of wedding was Next year. However, something created a sense of urgency for them to move forward with their marriage. 
As we continued the discussion, the pastor said, Drew and Marina, they showed how they met, how long they'd been together, and told me the story of their engagement. The pastor was saying, he said, then we talked about the whole decision about them to marry, and they were deeply in love, and they had decided to move in together prior to their marriage. Their families, Drew and Marina, not, they were told, we, we don't want you to do this. But they did it anyway. And I asked them, the pastor said, I asked them, what motivated this sudden decision for marriage? The conversation immediately shifted to a discussion about the Bible. As Drew and Marina were hearing it preached at this particular AG church and reading it in their own study time together. Somebody listening to me right now? God had been convicting them. Now they were wrestling with their desire to honor the Lord and honor His Word. We discussed God's plan for marriage and for sex and in the context of marriage, and talked about the Apostle Paul's admission, uh, admonition in 1 Corinthians 7, 9, that it's better to marry than to burn an uncontrolled passion. So just a few days later, let me just report to you. So just a few days later, in front of a packed auditorium at the end of our final service, he said, I invited Drew and Marina to the platform and we all wept and we applauded for the Lord as this young couple married in front of their church. Drew and Marina's beautiful wedding was a powerful testimony of what it means to read the Bible and do what it says. See, it becomes alive in us of not just a glance. But it becomes alive when it is part of us and who we are. And we are convicted. And God begins to change us and change our attitudes and change who we are. That's what the word should do to our lives. I want that in my life. I want the word to move me. See, it won't move you if you just do like this. And it won't move you if it's not attached to you. But oh God, let me say this with me. Oh God, Pastor, I want the word to change my attitude, to change my character, to change who I am. But I'm not trying to please the assemblies of God nor you. But I'm abiding. And so when I come across passages, guess what? I don't flip it to the next page quickly. But allow the Holy Spirit to say, Oh, Floyd, I love you enough, but that issue in your life needs to be taken care of. So would you repent? Would you let me help you with it? Would you let me do something in you? Thank you for joining us for today's podcast and pray that the Lord has ministered to you through this special message. If you want to reach out to us, please give us a call. 417-732-7554 or you can get a hold of us on the web at calvarychristianag.org